Verbal Discharge. The world's third to best radio show. Not about squids. Every Thursday on Phantom Radio. Catch up at verbaldischarge.co.uk. Okay. Were you enjoying that there, Jordan? Yeah. Do you know what else you might be enjoying? What might I be enjoying, good sir? For those of you at home that aren't aware, today is a bit of a special episode. A bit of a special <laughs> a bit episode. Of a, <laughs> a very special episode, let's say. We are being joined by none other than our very own... Or not our very our own. Our very own. The country's very own. Very own. Uh, the con- not we, are, not we, we, are, we are part of a nation that celebrates this woman. That celebrates the right to democracy. Yes. Wait, and Australia? Nay. <laughs> we are having the on the show later today, in about an hour, um, the head of the Green Party in England and Wales, Natalie, Natalie Bennett. Bennett. The, and this is actually happening. Like, this this isn't a lie. I know we lie a lot. <laughs> that is kind of part of the premise of our show. Yep. But this is not a lie. (laughs) For whatever reason, she has agreed to do this. She is 100% on board for our show. And we're one hour away from her due to arrive, due to to come on the show. If she cancels now, if she isn't on the show, she's cancelling in the last minute. Speaking now, we're expecting Natalie Bent to be live on the show from 6 o'clock. Or if you listen to the podcast, it'll be a bit in. Don't skip ahead. You might as well listen to the rest. Hello. I've been been living in fear that... On the way here, as she's being driven down, she'll try and brief herself on what she's going to be going up against, I suppose, <laughs> and she will Google us, I, and I, she will see the first few things on our website page and will immediately cancel. The, yeah. the first thing on our page is, well, if you click on Verbal Discharge, the first thing you see is Keith Chegwin's naked torso. <laughs> that is the says, first thing you see. To be honest, I would go on that show. I would switch over I believe in, a, in, an, doing, instant, in an instant. I'd go on the show that promotes itself with Keith Chegwin's naked torso. I believe she has underestimated us. By not Probably. Googling us and not <laughs> cancelling, I think she's underestimated us. Because we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not just any show. <laughs> We're verbal, we're verbal discharge. Verbal discharge, baby. And it feels so good. Oh, yeah. Uh, it might be saying that there are people out there who may well be listening to verbal discharge for the first time as a result of us having Natalie Bennett on. In which case, hello, how are you doing? I'm glad to hear that. that, that well that, done, yeah. yeah. What, good. What, nice what, to have you on board. Nice what, to have you on board. What did you have for breakfast today? Muesli. Uh, that's an interest, interesting ah. choice. Jordan, you are, you're not speaking for them. <laughs> you're not speaking for them, I Jordan. I was tuning into their inner thoughts. How? All of them. How? I'm, but but I'm, they'll be listening to the podcast later I'm, on. I'm psychotelekinetic, futuristic. I realise that the tension here may be somewhat understated because the people listening to the podcast will have already been able to deduce whether or not Natalie Bennett actually turned up or not. Yeah. We can't really hide that, can we? No. No, we can hide that. So if you are listening to the podcast ahead of time, hello, people from the future. Uh, As it stands, it is presently four minutes past five on (laughs) Thursday the... Is it? 11th. Thursday the 11th of February. 2016. There's every possibility Natalie Bennett may be with us in the next hour. And, oh, good God. Well, it's been agreed upon. Yeah. So so we're ex- we're expecting her. Shall I- we though before before introducing Natalie Bennett introduce ourselves? That sounds, that very, sounds reasonable. Like a very good idea. I am James and Natalie Bennett is my spirit animal. <laughs> That's very good. Um I'm Jordan Reynolds and Natalie Bennett is my favorite color. I'm Robbie and last night I was served by someone that wasn't Natalie Bennett in the chip shop. Who was it? Uh it was a man that works in the chip shop. But not Natalie Bennett. Not Natalie Bennett because thankfully she didn't work in the chip shop. The guy Was it? Natalie Bennett in a mask. Oh, well, I didn't consider that. She was very Plot nice twist. to me. She's been scoping us out all this time. 
She's been everyone we've interacted with in the past sort of seventy-four <laughs> hours or so. It's all been Natalie Bennett. I wondered Bennett. why my favourite coloured pencil was shaped like Natalie Bennett when I was drawing <laughs> last night. Your favourite coloured pencil was it green? Hey. <laughs> I, it's actually my favourite colour. Oh, but oh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't impact on my political views. <laughs> if it did, if you could only vote for your favourite colour, now to vote for the orange party. People at the home, at the home, the home, the home. <laughs> uh, people at we their have homes, people our, home only, our, our only our listeners, listeners. <laughs> our listeners at home won't be able to see this because it is visual and this is an entirely auditory medium. Yes. But we have lit the studio in anticipation for her arrival in glorious, glorious green. Yeah, I can't help but feel, though, as the leader of the Green Party, she'd probably rather we just turned all the lights off. Probably. And saved energy. But <laughs> never mind. Oh, well. But, well, she's coming and I hope she appreciates the lights anyway. <laughs> I have something that I think is probably important to talk about right now. Um, it's something I think I want to sort of get off my chest, something I want to talk about, something I want to explain before Natalie Bennett comes on the show. Right. Uh, with the idea of potentially questioning her on it when she arrives. Okay. okay, okay. Which she's going to do, which she's actually coming in. I still can't quite believe that. Um, so I'm going to talk about something, as I said, I think is, is important, something I think people need to be talking about. And this isn't, this isn't a joke, however. Severe issue here. Yeah. That's not why people listen to us. That's not why people tune into Verbal Discharge. Not in the slightest. <laughs> yeah. people, people listen to us because they want to hear... Jokes about the Cartoon Network roster of 2002. They want to hear just top quality, irreverent comedy. Yeah, they want to hear like about Im- improvisation about ducks in the Iraq War. Um, celebrities they've did forgotten do, existed. Uh, yeah. Did, did we do ducks in the Iraq War? We did, Ducky yeah. Ducky McDuck. The, the show when you oh, weren't I here. Oh, I wasn't here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, or, John. Yeah. Very, very, very sad Of course, the other that. reason they listen is because they're our mums. <laughs> so, Hi, mum. Hi, mum. Hi, Karen. Hi, Sally. Hi, Kay. How are you all doing? <laughs> um, so... What I'm going to talk about, I'll get onto in a moment. However, as I run through it, in order to bring it back to, to be discharging and to be something verbal discharge I'm going to rely on you two quite heavily. Okay. So, I'm going to read some information. I'm going to talk to you a bit. I'm Is going to talk about something. Serious information? Yes. And you're relying on me and James to make it less serious? So, okay. what I want you to do is, I have got in James's beanie hat right here, some, 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 some people, some ideas, some occupations, and I want you each... After I've read a point of information, both of you pick one out of the hat and the person I point to will explain what I've just said as that character to the character the other person's being. Oh, this is going to be offensive. (laughs) This is going to be very offensive. I've lined it up so there is sort of an ideal match between them. So I've got sort of duos and people that will match up together. But is this not completely random? But you'll be picking them out at random. Yeah. Yeah. So it likely won't be that you get a doctor and a patient together, but you might do that. So we we could get Ant from Ant and Deck and Stalin. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> what a double act like that I would want... be. Ant and Stalin. On... Ant and Stalin Saturday on... night. Are you... <laughs> Are you Bolshevik enough? <laughs> you find the hairs of the Jews mixing amongst them. Oh, uh... oh God, God. Wow. Okay, so uh, I'm going to get going in just a moment. Did that make sense to you, what you're going to be doing? Yeah, that makes sense. So you're going to be summarising it, and I'm going to give you about a minute, 45 seconds. Even if it didn't make sense. Would we like some tense music to really bring this home? Go on. Oh, oh, that's tense. That's tense. tense. When did we get get tense music? We've always had tense music. (laughs) Why haven't we used it more? I don't know. It just seemed appropriate. It sounds sort of like the final question of the quiz show music, doesn't it? It This this is like the big deal or no deal question. question. Who wants to be a millionaire heart thump in the background that they have? We all know what a heartbeat sounds like. So, shall we? 
so uh, in the past, I just want to say this first. We've given warnings during the whole other opinions are available, um, blah, 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 particularly on the, the Syria episode, episode 30, uh, <laughs> where we had to say at length other opinions available. These views do not reflect those of phantom media. What I'm going to say, I don't have to say that because these are facts. I'm going to read out some facts. Oh, God. So everything I I'd say, like to clarify that me and Jordan haven't been briefed yeah, we, on we this. Don't, we don't know what's going we on. We are as clueless as you here. So I'm going to begin. Uh, James, you're going to go first. You're going to be the first to explain to Jordan. So right. I want you paying particular attention. Oh, is he just playing as James right now? Or? Uh, no, you'll, you'll pick one out in a moment. When we okay, get, okay. When we right, okay. let's do this. So David Cameron's premiership as the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom began in 2010. Not his premiership as a like football league. Never mind. Um, at which point, when he, took, when he took office, he installed Michael Gove as the Minister for Education. So I'm not going to talk about Michael Gove, mostly because we're live on air and because I can't swear. So I don't think I'll be able to describe him accurately enough. Okay. Um, but what I will say instead, what I'll leave it at, is that his only experience of education prior to being put in charge of education in the entire country was he went to Scotland's most exclusive private school and then Oxford University, which, as we all know, is a place full of people representing all of the um, political spectrum and of a a, a really, really terrific group of well-adjusted people um, who are representative of the country. Are you going to just work your way through demographics here and insult as many of them as possible? No. Um, <laughs> so, Michael Gove, he was never a teacher, neither his parents were teachers, he's got no real experience in education. He was a journalist for a bit and then he became a politician. Right. And similarly with Nicky Morgan, who's the current incumbent. What I'm going to talk about instead is not those, but something that they did during their time in office that was put into place under, under Michael Gove. Okay. So, in the year 2000, Labour introduced a system known as academies. In a nutshell... I went to an academy. Was it an academy when you went there? It wasn't. It, it was wasn't. turned into one. We're going to get onto this. Ooh. Uh, this, in a nutshell, meant that the lowest performing secondary schools in the country would be granted extra money and resources by the government itself and by outside businesses. It would be taken out of council control. So it would be the lowest performing countries. That was under Labour when it was 70,000. However, in 2010, when the Conservatives took over, this, this role changed. So now all schools, secondary or primary have been invited to become academies, every single one. Schools that do this voluntarily are known as converter academies. Um, priority is actually given now to the schools graded outstanding by Ofsted, flying in the face. Sorry, am I, be, am I still given 45 seconds to You're a minute? You're given to... a minute to summarise what I just said there. James, you want to pick <laughs> out the hat? What? <laughs> wow. Okay, so I've just got to draw a name yep. out of this you hat. stop the tense music for oh, a second? No, oh, go on, go on then. And Jordan? That was that was atmospheric as heck. It was. Like, I felt the intensity coming off of you. Ri- wow. James, oh, who are you? come on. I'm Noel Gallagher. And Jordan? I'm a hard-working Polish immigrant. Right, so... So, how would Noel Gallagher summarise what I just said to a hard-working Polish immigrant? Okay, right, so how long have I got? Uh, a minute, starting now. You're right, hard-working Polish immigrant. Oh, it's me, Noel Gallagher from Oasis. And if there's one thing that riles me up, it's it's the academies. <laughs> I've already forgotten what I was arguing about, but basically, yeah, Michael Gove. He's oh, what a what a what a case, eh? What what a, what a weapon? What's he what's he doing to the education system to, to academies? So, what's an academy, Noel? Oh, sorry, this you asking the question. Wonderwall. Oh, so Polish immigrant. I, well, I don't really know what a Polish accent sounds like. Well. Imagine they've got a Telford accent. Oh, okay. the champagne supernova. <laughs> <laughs> what are academies, Mr. Noel Gallagher? I said maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, academies are pet. Are, are, uh, 
stances or situations that can a, a, a school can put on its. Okay, you see what I've done here is I've tried to force. Lost the... my faith in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've tried to force one of our regular formats that I thought works into some a situation in which it may not work, haven't I? The, the no, problem... I like it. I like it. I just <laughs> the, the problem was though there that there was you... a huge amount of information. There was an incredible amount of information. I was only able to hold on to very little of it. Okay, and I can't do a good Noel Gallagher I impression. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll give it one more crack because I, I think I think I'll just listen really hard. Okay, I will listen. Okay, really so this hard. time, Jordan, you're going to be explaining. I'm okay. going to continue. So basically, I've just explained what academies are. Uh, they were set up to improve the lowest performing schools in the country. However, now all schools have been encouraged to become academies, and priorities actually given to schools that are graded outstanding by Ofsted. Okay? Does that make sense? No. I but go on. Because I went to you have no idea how much I read up on this. I read... I, oh, I spent I, hours I, and hours. I, I can tell. You spent yeah. hours and hours telling us about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've tried to condense it down to make it as simple as possible. Right, I really okay. haven't done a good enough job. Never mind. But, right, okay. Why am I, why am I bringing this up on a comedy podcast? Why, why are you am bringing I flagging this up? up? Well, I'm going to tell you. Why is it worth telling you, talking about, Jordan? Why is this? Why is this? Because, Why is this? Because I went to one. And, Sorry, and you're, you're, I'm going to get on to the fact you you're not speaking too. as a hard-working Polish immigrant. I'm, I'm only going to come out with a Russian accent, which do is a really, really terribly tar-brushed kind of thing to do. Do the voice. Uh, <laughs> oh, good God! Go on, go on, go on. I'm going to. What I'm going to do is I'm going to add ski to the end of every word, and I'm going to feel really bad about it. All right. Okay. Robbie ski. <laughs> Pick something else out of the hat. <laughs> Pick something else out of the hat. Can I have another one? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be um, Noel Gallagher anymore. So. <laughs> what have you got, Neither does he. Why am I getting such hard ones to do? The entire population of the UK. I've got the God of Thunder Thor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Jordan, what you're going to have to summarise is, essentially, all, why, why the government wanted to change them into academies. Although academies are still run by a head teacher or principal, above them stands the Academy Trust. The Academy Trust. The Academy Trust. So, this is a body responsible for the Academy. For the majority of academies, this trust is part of a bigger Academy chain, meaning that it also owns a number of other schools. So the biggest chain in the country, which is um, AET, or Academies Enterprise Trust, owns 77 schools. So, your old secondary school, Jordan, as you keep mentioning, <laughs> has, since you left it, been converted into an Academy. Well, what I was the name that. of your old secondary school? Abraham Darby School. And it's now... Abraham Darby Academy. Yes, and it is now one of 14 schools owned by a chain. Yeah. So it's... The Haberdashers. Wait, wait. As, yes. in, it's, as in it's privately owned? It's by now, the Haberdashers. Yes. They, can, they can carry swords around. There's a guy called the Master. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's now no different to a Tesco store or a branch of Greg's. It's just sort of... It, it's a chain you get on the end. You it's owned by, as you it. say, the worshipful company of Haberdashers, which is a prestigious silk and velvet vendors who previously provided silks for the Queen. Right. So they're a private business... They have nothing to do with the government beyond the fact that they like frivolity and velvet. Um, they have nothing to do with education at all. Mm -hmm. And yet they own 14 schools across the country, from Kent to Newport to Telford. Officially, they're a, they're a charitable trust, but the top individuals are not volunteers. They are, are, are paid. Jordan, summarise that as the entire population of the UK. What you want me to summarise it to? Who is James again? I'm Thor, the god of thunder. I up Thor. Now I'll tell you right that's here. It. No, that's it. No, wait, that's your... wait, you'll see, you'll see, all right. Okay. I up Thor. I'm going to tell you a bit about the Aberdashers and the silk mills that they run and the velvet and... Just listen here, right? There's, there's, <laughs> there's 14 schools. 
owned by these silk merchants that I don't know what they are doing with these silk and haberdashers and they can carry a sword and I, I'm just... I, I could swear eat. that's Idi Amin's voice. <laughs> <laughs> and I killed the children. <laughs> and now um, it's really hard to maintain a chain of thought and yeah. try to cycle through a load of accents and... and Basically, instead, I'll just do it from a rich and poor standpoint, because those are the two major things in the UK. Academies are really good because they make us money. Academies aren't really good because they make markets out of our children. You've just made this entire link worthless. You've just summed it up very quickly. Um, I'm going to continue anyway. Okay. Because, do you know what? I put a lot of time into this. (laughs) Um, Even I, Thor, the god of thunder... Can see that putting the haberdashers in charge of our schools is a foolhardy endeavour. You sound more like th- Thundercats. <laughs> this is exactly how Thor sounds. A pagan th- summary for a weather condition. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to continue now. James, you're going to have to summarise as someone else as you pick it out of the hat. What have we got? What have we got? Pickle Gove himself. God. <laughs> so I'm Michael Gove and you're so God. God's talking to Michael Gove. If only this has happened sooner. Um, however, yeah, what, what I've just been talking about, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Okay. Um, academies also have more freedom over their finances than council-owned schools. So schools undergoing the conversion from school to academy receive about £25,000 conversion costs from the Department of Education. Academies can then also top up their budget by up to 10% using Department of Education money that they could previously only use for a few designated services, for example, special needs support. This money can now be spent on, 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 on anything, on classroom resources, on... Do you remember like when you had a video in school, when they wanted to play a video and they used to wheel in that thing? The, the big the, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. on like cr- a clunky trolley. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Yeah, they could they could spend it replacing that, or they could spend it on the school board's wages. It's interesting that you brought that up because when in the in the two years I was in sixth form when it yeah. was an academy, they changed all the wheelie TVs to really? plasma screen TVs. Ah, oh. good God! Yeah, so that's, that's what the money went. That's on. what the money went on. Yeah, so it could it could go on anything. Yeah, from from that to the school board's wages. On top of this, academies do not need to follow national teacher pay guidelines, which means that they can pay teachers anything down. To the minimum wage. This means academies, which are more often than not owned by chains, which are more often than not owned by businesses, can gain financially by cutting corners on your child's education. Right. James, go. As God. I am God, benevolent and all-loving, and yet even I can see that you, Michael Gove, are a bastard. (laughs) May may, may I just interject? I'm Michael Gove, and I know about education. No, no, you don't. Listen, <laughs> listen here, because I'm God. I'm all-knowing. I'm omnipotent. I'm, I'm sorry, omnipresent. God. But I'm sorry, God, but you just don't know. Michael Gove, I don't know enough about you to insult you directly, <laughs> but let me assure you, Robbie has assured me that what you're doing is awful, and I don't know very much about education, so I'll take his word for it. But you've been in education for many years. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean I know anything about it. <laughs> God, God, God. God was never in education. I am education. I am everything. He I'm God. Education. I created he- education. I created you. I created the academies that you're defiling. Or, or rather, the schools that you're defiling into academies. Did you know that since I made schools into academies, I'm now two million pounds better off? No. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a million pounds to shut up, God? Oh, I heard the pause in your voice there. <laughs> that almost came out as a worse sentence. Yep. You can't bribe God, Michael Gove. Michael Gove has bribed everybody else. (laughs) 
You can't bribe God. You can't bribe me. I'm not subject to this. So, uh, should I continue? Should I just keep going? Should we rattle through this? Should we try and get this over? If you want to. Um, if you want so, to. the government set a target that by 2020, all state-funded schools should be academies. So, the Conservative 2015 Manifesto, which I read, I read the entire education system on that. That was a fun Saturday evening. That was, that was something I do not recommend anyone ever does. Um, no, it states we should turn every failing and coasting school into an academy. So some schools are going willingly. Some schools aren't going willingly. So what are they doing about this? What, what they're doing? I'm just going to read it in silly voices now. Um, just, just, just go for it. Just keep going. So, yeah, in, in, in 2012, the government changed Ofsted's inspection framework. So satisfactory became requires improvement, which means that any school now not achieving a good or an outstanding falls into failing or coasting and is therefore forced to become an academy. So this change makes it tougher for schools to reach the higher bands because they've also changed other things. One of the things they've actually added is that schools can now fail an offset inspection for not promoting British values. Really? Yeah. Yep. What do they define as British values? I, I Years of colonial atrocities. <laughs> it's it's multiculturalism now that they're supposed to promote. They're supposed to promote like um, y- your own values, sticking, you know, and, and letting everybody be what they want to be. So that's not a terrible that's, uh, thing. That, that's that's not a, a terrible thing to promote. I'm not saying it's a terrible thing, but it's a bit rich given that we've slaughtered and invaded <laughs> our way across the entire globe, and now we're saying, oh no, let's let's. Yeah, but it, it's around. okay. Like the statute of limitations has run out on that. <laughs> so we're fine now. We're really good. We're all right. Um, yeah, so schools are taken over by force are known as sponsored academies. Uh, when the Conservatives took power, there were 203 academies in the country. Now there's just over 5,000. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge jump. This includes just over half of all secondary schools in the country. Uh, and Nicky Morgan, who's the current head of education, recently proposed a bill that would speed up this process and would remove the parents' right to object to the conversion. Um the idea behind this, in theory, is to improve the quality of learning, which is noble and fantastic and etc. Except it isn't necessarily happening because a large say. Come on, Robbie! Come on, you can um, do this. A large, Power through. A large-scale, longitudinal study, which was our learning in A-level psychology, which is known as the Sutton Trust Study, published in July 2015, conducted by Professor Marion Hutchins, Professor Becky Francis, and Doctor Philip Kirby. What a guy, Philip Kirby! Go out with him on Saturday night. He's a laugh. Um, they looked into the effects of chain academies and they found that 44% of academies are actually below the government's own failing and coasting line. 76% of academy chains own multiple schools below the line. Now, if you were to look at the national average, the national number for schools below the floor, which means that 60% of their pupils failed to get 5A sales to see um, at GCSE, it's around 16%. This is a lot of numbers. That's a lot of numbers. How would you summarise them? In 40 seconds. I'm Nigel Farage. Okay. I'm going to stay as God. Okay. <laughs> this is an interesting <laughs> face-off. This is the debate I would watch. <clears throat> well, you see, there's a lot of numbers, but the things that really matter are... We don't want to drink that Euro filth fizz. <laughs> <laughs> also, cigarettes are really good. I smoke <laughs> a lot of them. I drink a lot of beer. Academies, I don't care. I don't care. I'm Nigel Farage. You can't barrage the Farage. <laughs> I, I go in a limo everywhere. I probably don't even speak like this. Well, actually, I kind of do speak like this. Once, I was on a football show and I drank some beer and it was really good. And I said, spit fire, that's English. That's really nice. That's tasty. And then I tasted Beck's, which is actually an all right lager. But I said it was horrible because <laughs> it comes from Eastern Europe. And no, we don't want any of that in our country. <laughs> also... 
people from that aren't from the UK shouldn't be allowed to go to school anyway. I'm starting to sound like Michael McIntyre. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that was, that, that that was, that was that, beautiful, Jordan. That, oh, sorry. That. Should I say Nigel? <laughs> you, you really captured the kind of bumbling nature of that. That succinctly summarised the way in which the government is essentially bullying schools into becoming businesses. Yeah. That would that would that would that fantastic. Yeah, and yet they're not really improving the quality of education. Uh, no, I've skimmed through that. I, I was going to say I haven't skimmed through that. Pretty. You much. did not skim um, through that in the slightest. No, I mean it's quite a hefty document. I, yeah. I read. I read an awful lot on this. I read several hundred pages on academies on statistics, and I chucked most of it out in order to streamline that as much as possible, uh, with the hope of you streamlining it further, which hasn't hasn't really happened. It hasn't happened at um, all. But. I mean, there are there are positives to academies and so on. There are chains who have improved results. There are chains who specialise in getting the results of sort of um, children from lower income backgrounds, uh, their grades up, their whatever, past grades. Um, however, what the Conservative government has done is essentially privatise education without anyone noticing. And yeah. hopefully, through perhaps some w- something I've said today, and I know I've gone on a bit, and I know I've probably pro- probably irritated a couple of people, um, hopefully, Jordan's Nigel Farage impression has been not annoying enough to make up for everything. But hopefully, someone <laughs> has noticed and someone has, 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 has paid attention to the fact that essentially we put children's education in the hands of businesses. It's terrible. It's terrible, gonna, really. The, yeah. the, private, the privatization of almost, with over 50% of, yeah. of the schools in this country are now, are now money making, they're, they're factories. And I know. Um, is it Ken Robinson said this, didn't mm. he? Um, that the, the schools already, without being privatised, do treat children as factory pairs. You know, you yeah. kind of you ship people off according to their ability and and you know teach everyone a standardised level of education. Academies are even worse than that. Not only are they not only are they a factory for simple education, they're also a factory for money for private corporations like the haberdashers. Yeah, which is and awful. especially if they're because I can only imagine they're going to find a way to turn a profit on this mm. which is effectively no, exactly. that's that's that is exactly what, what they're doing that was what mm, I was yeah. trying to explain over the course of the thing they're, right, they're turning, okay. they're, they found a way to turn a profit they can now cut what used to be money that used to be spent on um, exclusively things like special needs can now be spent on the school board's wages and right. they no longer have to pay teachers the minimum teachers yeah. wage they can now pay the minimum wage end of um, mm-hmm. so yeah they, they found ways to cut corners and increase the amount effectively of money effectively turn a profit on the education this of is your coin- children this is exactly. coinciding with the big teacher drive you see a lot of it on the tv now um, yeah. teachers just people just don't want to be teachers anymore because like you want to be a secondary school teacher you're not going to get paid properly mm. no. and teaching is a hard job it, it ranks us in the it's top, a really in, tough job in the top yeah. five most stressful jobs in, in the uk teaching is one of them and if you're not being paid sufficiently for, for that, why bother spending the two years of college, three yeah. years of university, a year of teacher training to not be paid well? Yeah, no. But there we go. Should we should we have a song and then some comedy? Yeah, go on. Yeah, I Fart, think we should poop, probably go back to that. Poop, poop. <laughs> there we go. Willy, there's bum. the comedy. There there's the go. comedy right there. That's what we've been striving for. Ugh. Poop, poop, bomb, bomb, Willy. What we need to do, both in Britain and Europe, is to combine the fiscal deficit reduction, which has given us the low interest rates, with an active monetary policy, with structural reforms to make us competitive, and with... (coughs) 
this, this morning I, I threw some rhymes together. Rhymes. And I'm sure that Natalie Bennett will appreciate uh, this. Don't sell yourself down the river. Those were some sick bars you'd be spitting. And I'm about to spit some even sicker bars. I'm about to spit some bars so sick you'll you, get tuberculosis you all sound, up in that prison. You sound like, mm. a, like, a, like a giant who creates prisons by... Um, just sort of the phlegm bars. from their mouth. I was, I was okay. The, the spitting was, bars. It's okay. Yeah. So I I, I'm it. desperately trying to regain form before Natalie Bennett enters the office. <laughs> right. The office. The office. The studio. Office. So getting on because time is pressing. Yep. Uh, Natalie Bennett will be here soon. Like 15 minutes 15 away. Minutes. Jordan, can you drop a sick beat? Green potty green, you know what I mean On the environmental scene since she was a teen Nat Bennett is a queen and she eats green cuisine It's nutritious, it's lean, it keeps your insides clean To serve you she's keen and her future is to seen You know what else is green? Yeah that's right, chlorophyll Where there's way there's a will and she's got the skill Snap the fracking drill to clock the oil spill She wipe all that swill no matter how bit the pill Nat is betting crazy, she's furious, she's wild When she was a child her knowledge wasn't mild She made a case for the earth with information she compiled Environmental damage will never be reconciled <laughs> Maybe Cameron's absurd, so we'll recycle that turd. Two-party system, but the greens are the third. Save that fish, save that bird. These words ain't slurred, in case you haven't heard. Green is the word. Oh, yeah. I kind of, I kind of stumbled a bit there, because I didn't realise that it's quite hard to <sighs> spit the words when there isn't really any cohesive syllable structure. Yeah. And I've got lyrics like, You know what else is green? Yeah, that's right, chlorophyll. Where there's a way, <laughs> where there's a way, there's a will, and she's got the skill to snap that fracking drill to clog that oil spill. <laughs> Should I read it so that it's just go on? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We can, I'd like we get to get a sense of what's going on. Green party, green. You know what I mean? I'm getting a theme here. I'm seeing a theme emerging on the environmental scene since since she was a teen. Nice. Nat Bennett is a queen, and she eats green cuisine. She's not a queen. She's a she's a political figure. It's There's nutritious. It's lean. It keeps your insides clean. To serve you, she's keen, and her future is foreseen. You know what else is green? Yeah, that's right. Chlorophyll. <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> just uh, completely abandoned. That. Yeah, <laughs> hold on. Where there's a way, there's a will, and she's got the skill to snap that fracking drill, to clog that oil spill. She'll wipe out all that swill, no matter how bitter the pill. Nat Bennett is crazy, she's furious, she's wild. When she was a child, her knowledge wasn't mild. She's made a case for the earth from information she compiled. Environmental damage will never be reconciled. David Cameron's absurd, so we'll recycle that turd. Two-party system, but the greens are the third. Save that fish, save that bird. These words ain't slurred. In case you haven't heard, green is the word. I think that's actually pretty good. That, yeah, you're playing that, that down. I think that's for, actually pretty yeah, good. Yeah, for, for something you came up with in like one morning, that's that's not bad at all. It wasn't even one morning. I've spent most of this morning eating porridge and watching Mad Max. That's a <laughs> lot of porridge. But <laughs> I, that, I also wrote Mad that. Mad Max isn't that long. Well, I watched it a lot. I <laughs> finished enough. it, Fair started enough. again, finished it, started again, watched Beyond the Thunderdome, thought that's Tina Turner, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I was with you up until watching beyond the thunderdome beyond the bit where they go actually beyond the thunderdome the best part of beyond the thunderdome the third mad max film is when halfway through the tone of the film inexplicably yeah. changes and it becomes this family friendly adventure it becomes romp. a bird's eye advert exactly it's, it's really bizarre like max is walking around with all these kids and like, oh yeah with it with the children go on max lead it all that we run barter town now and until the last five minutes, it sort of forgets the film it was for the first hour completely. Yeah, like, yeah. It just ignores any evidence of Tina Turner and Master Blaster existing. But Road Warrior and Fury Road are still fantastic. 
Yeah. The first yeah. one leaves a little to be desired. I feel we've got distracted. Though. Somehow, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit bit tangential. Though, maybe that's what the Green Party were trying to prevent, us ending up in a world that looks a bit like Mad Max. They want it to look after the world better. They want it to be green, just like their party name. It, it, that's That might actually be why they're called the Green Party. Are you might sure? well be. That, that, that may be a reason, uh, environmental message, it, maybe. It could also know. potentially be um, green is derived as a term from the Anglo-Germanic term gren, which means uh, growth, effectively. They, they so so been... I believe that's what they were inferring at. Or, 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 or they were just using it because Grum is a... Because Grum. Because Grum. green is a colloquial term for recycling and environmentally conscious behaviour. It's also, also used in, in military terms as someone who's a rookie or new at something. Green or, as grass. Or yeah. maybe, like Jordan, it's just their favourite colour. Just mm. whoever found it. We can be thankful that Labour aren't just the red party. Well, are they? Are they now? <laughs> hey oh. Hey, old Jeremy Corbyn, hey. Marxist admirer. Ho, hey, ho, ho. Are you going to fill Red is associated with communism. I kind, I kind of almost want to do a freestyle rap about Natalie Bennett now. Go on. But, but, but I haven't got any. Oh, God. <laughs> Natalie Bennett. Nothing wrong with Bennett. So I'll go and make a word like a fennet. Ferret, ferrets, ferret's pretty cool. I want a ferret with a little leash I can walk to school. <laughs> I don't even know where this rhyme is going because there's no schools to go to. They're academies now. Academies <laughs> are bad. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Tying it all round. <laughs> <laughs> there are academies now. So just to, just to further state, um, this is the kind of odd point in the show. Where we're just filling because yeah. Natalie Bennett is due to be here there, in about, not a time in about for, ten yeah. minutes. There's not in, a time for a full verbal discharge link because no. we don't do under ten minute links anymore. <laughs> so, in, so in a few minutes, myself and James are going to have to go and collect Natalie Bennett, and I'm going to hold down the fort and like yeah. and like we in the corner. Yeah. So <laughs> there will likely be uh, quite a few songs playing coming up, just yeah. just as a heads up, basically because we'll have to get Natalie Bennett, bring her into the yeah. studio. <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm still kind of in disbelief that this is happening, but it is. I don't know how or why. I don't know why she would agree to be on it. I don't know how sh- we got her to agree to be on it. I don't know anything about how she's on it, but she's going to be on it in 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 ten minutes. I'm suddenly really nervous. I don't know about either of you. I'm. I'm uh, I've got. I've, I feel. I feel like the adrenaline's about to kick in. Hmm. No, no, no. I'm. I'm not nervous anymore. I've, my, my nerves are long gone. I'm just excited. She's coming on our show. We've. We've got this. We've got this. We've definitely got this. Oh. Meditation. Meditation on the radio is not good radio content. Um, for anyone, anyone who's tuned into this live or is listening uh, to this on the podcast. Um, thank you for listening. Yes. Yeah. This is a bit terrifying and a bit bewildering, but we're going to try and, while she's here, strike a good balance between comedy and genuinely insightful political questions. I mean, we'll I've we'll got, see what we can manage. To kind of to kind of bring this round as to just how big this is, I'm I'm going to quote somebody, but not not give their name. Actually, I'm going to give their name. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to quote quote Dan Clarkson on saying. Well, he's not in the, not he's in there anymore. Who's the station's tech manager? He's the station's tech manager, Dan Clarkson. I'm going to quote him saying that this is the biggest thing this station has ever done. Yes. Which is harrowing. Which is yeah. very harrowing. But oh, also, since our last show, anyway. 
Well, yeah. Hey, but isn't that weird? Weird funny. <laughs> he comes in at the beginning of the show and he goes, this is the biggest thing you've ever done. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. We appreciate your support. Speaking of the biggest thing we've ever done, we're going to have a song in a moment and I'm going to go into a massive poo because I'm nervous and that's what happens to me when I get nervous. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, how, how long is that going to take you? Because we have eight minutes still sitting. We have eight up. minutes. Uh, hopefully. Seven minutes. I've had, I've had poos that have lasted far longer than eight minutes before. Robbie, hopefully we don't, we don't need to know this. The audience. I'm filling. I'm filling. The or- yeah. I'm, I'm, well, no, I'm full. That's why I'm going to need to do, poo. Do a do a freestyle rap about Natalie Bennett, Robbie. Okay. Okay. Natalie Bennett's the leader of the Greens. I think that she can be pretty mean, or at least like this rapper's been. It's been pretty mean because it is lean. Or not lean because I'm rhyming everything with green. Because I think that Natalie Bennett is a queen. By which I don't mean she dresses up in man's... In, like, she's not a man who dresses up in woman's clothes. Although, no, I'm not going to say that because she might not come on the, the show yet. And I'm running out of the ability to... To, to rhyme because I was trying to cover so you know you know WikiHow yeah it yeah. has, it has um, you know how it's got like an article for everything, everything. I found, how to I interview found the leader of the Green Party when, when I was we when, could use that I was, I was getting interested um, the last time I went to a poetry night I was thinking rap battles would be pretty cool yeah and I looked up like how to how to do rap battles on the internet because obviously that's where I get all of my write, <laughs> my writing knowledge from is the internet and um, especially fanfiction.net um, <laughs> no and, and I went on there yeah. and I saw a wikiHow article which was how to survive a rap battle survive and one of the tips was play basketball <laughs> What? <laughs> because they say that the basketball improves your coordination and your moves, and if you do right. basketball like moves when you're rapping, it looks like you know what you're doing. Body I'm shot, like, mind shot. I, yeah, but but then I thought, well, fix up, launch shot. Well, you know, do, do rappers kind of go to the front and dribble a ball when they're singing? <laughs> Spitting some sick lyrics at their opponents while going like this. You've never you can't been to, see the, that to, the, to the right to the right uh, rap battles. I've evidently or the them. right basketball matches. I would oh. I would like really love the Harlem Globetrotters to just at one <laughs> point like, slam dunk and then break out some sick rhymes about um, LeBron James's mother. Okay, we're gonna play some songs yeah. now. Um, when we come back, we will have hopefully a Natalie Bennett. If with we don't us. scare yeah. her off. Um, wish us luck, viewers. We're, we're going to try and keep this one good for you. Hello, you're back with Verbal Discharge on Phantom Radio. The time is about 25 past six, and we've got some exciting news. I mean, we've been talking about it a lot <laughs> anyway. Here with us in the studio, we have the leader of the Green Party, Natalie Bennett. And it's lovely to be here. How are, you, how are you doing? Great, thanks. And this is definitely taking me back to my student radio days, which were quite a few years ago. <laughs> oh. um, so have you just arrived in Derby? Have you, what are you making uh, the city so far? Uh, well, I've been, I've been spending the day in the city. We've basically been out door knocking in Darley Ward, mm-hmm. um, where Martin's our candidate, and we're really making a run for the city council elections uh, in May. Uh, we've also been talking about the EU referendum, as we will be this evening. Uh, and so, yeah, I've had a lovely day in Derby, and I've just been uh, admiring the fact and hearing about the university and the way you have the um, double honours mm. that cover different ranges of subjects, giving people a breadth of, um, of academic background that I think sounds really great. Fantastic. Mm. I'm glad you mentioned, because we all personally were the ones to implement that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that sounds like a really interesting approach to it. <laughs> uh, so one thing that listeners may have noticed so far, just from your accent, is you are Australian, you're born in Australia, but you've lived in England for 
15 years now, am I, am I right, around oh, there? I think, I think it's actually up to 17 years oh, now. Oh, really? I came, okay. I, came, I came here in 99, so it's always fairly okay. easy to do the math. <laughs> but, but um, and you know, my, my academic background's quite varied. So yeah. my first degree was actually agricultural science. So <laughs> when you put the Australianness together with the agricultural science, it does mean I'm probably the only British political leader who knows how to shear a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the, the question, the big question, I suppose, for people considering that, is that last year in the Rugby World Cup, England played <laughs> Australia. Who were you cheering for? Uh, of course, I, w- I, you know, I have to say and would have been cheering for England. But um, I do have to point out that actually, you know, I believe in a work-life balance, mm. but I don't actually have one. So I don't really follow any sport at all in practice. <laughs> That's fair oh. enough. That's fair enough. Can you, can you do a British accent at all? Can you do an English accent? <laughs> this is just to leave on this. Uh, like just no, pan-British. I, no, no, I'm afraid um, I think I, um, the Australia I grew up in was very monolingual. That I simply can't hear accents. So I, I can't hear my own accent. And I also make a general rule of never guessing where anyone from or further afield where their accent comes from because I'll always get it wrong. Can you do any impressions or accents or any? We've got to ask, by the way. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, um, I used to be a, a reviewer of fringe theatre. Right, I, think I, okay. I, was, I was always better in the audience than I would ever have been on stage. Okay. So. Are you sure you don't have a mean Daffy Duck impression stuck <laughs> yeah. up your sleeve? No, a no, mean no. Daffy I, Duck. I, I think, you know, it's just like, you know, karaoke. Um, I got thrown out of the primary school choir for being tuneless. Um, so, <laughs> primary you know, school? Yeah, primary school. It's a bit cruel, I think, yeah. really, in retrospect. <laughs> uh, so uh, as a result of that, you know, I've got a bit of a complex about, um, you know, singing or, or indeed putting on accents. I, I, can, I can relate to you there. Um, I, they, they, they made me play Bugs. Malone in Bugsy Malone, but had someone <laughs> sing for me for all of the actual oh. singing. <laughs> Wait, did you have to sort of mouth along with it? Yeah, then? yeah, they had someone <laughs> singing behind the curtains and I just lip synced. Which just teacher like... was responsible? Um, <laughs> the guy called Mr. Platford, but we won't get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, am I correct in thinking um, you were the first member of your immediate family to pursue a university education, was it? Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, my father was a, um, by profession, was a carpenter. And mum was sort of of that generation where women mostly did sort of part-time admin type jobs. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, the, it, when I came to do agricultural science as my first degree, it was very much the era. Of course, it's, it's still going on and is, is a very good cause to encourage more girls to study science. Okay. Uh, but um, I did have this rather romantic idea that I'd be a farm manager, which was profoundly <laughs> unrealistic. But I was only 17 at the time. Okay, fair enough. It's good to, I suppose, have aspirations of being a farm manager at that age. <laughs> yes, well, you know, it's. Um, I, I'm glad we, I've been talking about it today that um, you know, I did a lot of work on soil science in the agricultural science degree, and you know, I can get really geeky about soils. <laughs> but, don't, but don't worry, I'm not going. A nice to sandy <laughs> loam. <laughs> well, well, when I was taught soil science, it was taught as purely a chemistry subject, and actually, in the sort of 25 years since, people have come to now realise that's a whole rich ecosystem. And, you know, the fungi in the soil actually helps to draw the, helps the plants to draw up nutrients, draw up water. Okay. And actually produces antibiotics that helps plants fight disease. Do and you... all of that was just not, you know, not talked about when I studied soil science. Yeah. Do you have a favourite soil? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no, I, I, I don't think so. Well, I, I have a sort of, I, I really like the fungi, but um, I'm, not, I'm not really allowed to say that because, you know, I, that's too geeky. So my mind, <laughs> minders would tell me I'm not supposed to say that. Um, we are obviously all students. Mm. Um, And we've been worrying and talking a lot on the show quite recently about um, the Conservative government's recent scrapping of student maintenance grants, which is obviously making it harder than ever before for people from lower income families to get into a higher education. Um, How important is it to you that people from all walks of life are able to access a university education? 
I think it's critically important. And I think beyond that, what we also have to do is think about what happens after your education. And the reality is at the moment that even before they made the changes to the maintenance grants, uh, on the, on the, you know, the figures show that 73% of students will never pay off their loans. Mm-hmm. And 50p in the pound is, will never be paid back. And that's before even the recent increases. Now, yeah. I think what that means is people will go through three decades of their life. For most people, we're talking about you know, roughly mid-20s to mid-50s. And every year you earn any sort of money at all, you're going to say, see 9% of it going to a loan hmm. that you're never going to pay off. And that's profoundly dispiriting. But it's also, those are the years when normally you might be thinking about perhaps settling down. You know, mm, exactly. If you, if you don't exactly. live in London buying a house, um, thinking about having kids. Mm. And you know, we, we know that graduate salaries, you know, many people struggle even in graduate jobs with the kind of salaries they get. And to lose 9% of your income off to that loan you're never paying off. Yeah. So it's just a profoundly economically unsustainable system. Okay. See, um, while, while, while we're on the subject of kind of tuition fees, that sort of thing, um, I was just wondering, I've got it written down here because it's, <laughs> it's such a long-winded question. I read on the policies on the Green Party website that you um, are going to endeavour, if you were ever in power, to endeavour to scrap tuition fees and, and create a state of free education, which I think is a marvellous, a wonderful, wonderful ideal. Um, but I'm thinking with over 2 million students um, paying around roughly 1.5 trillion to 2 trillion into the kind of tuition fee system, if you were to scrap those loans, how would you kind of deal with that sort of money? Well, I think, first of all, to come back to the point on that that I made earlier, that you know, on the current figures, 50p in the pound will never be paid back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So actually half of that is not going to come back anyway. Which, which yeah. is fair yeah. enough, yeah. To, to make that point is really important. But more broadly, I mean, the reason why we're, we're saying we believe in zero university tuition fees is because we think education is a public good. good. Mm. So that should, you know, everyone benefits, the whole of society benefits. And, you know, often people say to me, oh, but, you know, what happens to the people who don't go to uni? Why should they pay for people going to university? But, of course, you know, we all need um, teachers, nurses, uh, social workers. Mm. We need people with all of those skills, and that benefits all of us. So the way we should pay for it is from general progressive taxation, but far more progressive taxation than we have now. And you know, I, th- I think most of your listeners are probably well aware of the issue of, of tax dodging. Um, mm. you know, Google's been in the news a lot lately. If you go back a bit into the days of uh, UK Uncut, um, you know, a certain coffee chain that serves what I consider to be really lousy tasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, we all know uh, what you're talking about, yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, you know, the website Amazon. Mm. You know, yeah. All of those companies are actually parasites because they're not paying you know, either for the education of their workers but also for, for roads... You think about how you know pretty well every road in the country will yeah. have lorries with Amazon parcels running up and down oh, it, but they're not paying taxes to actually maintain those roads. So you know, if we make big multinational companies and rich individuals pay their taxes, rebalance our society, then that's where the money comes ah, from. So, so I see. So Yeah, okay, fair enough. That answers my question pretty well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it was a long answer. No, 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 it was, it was a long yeah. question. Yeah. So. Oh. Um, one thing I wanted to want ask about, something that's always sort of fascinated me the idea of, is obviously you, you ran the election last year. And I wonder, when you wake up on the morning of the election, what's going through your mind as, as the party leader? Uh, to be absolutely honest, mm-hmm. you're thinking, after tonight, I get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reality of it. Uh, it that, that really is an honest answer to the question. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but of course, I mean, I mean, what you're thinking about at that point 
is there's very little that you could actually do yeah. to influence yeah. the election. You know, there's one final act you have to do, which is to manage to walk into the polling station without falling over. <laughs> you know, for that traditional film that they do in the morning if you're going to vote. Yeah. Um, but once you've done that, there's really nothing much more. You can't do anything to influence things. No. So in a way, it's kind of like, oh, well, okay, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You know, once the polls closed at 10 o'clock tonight, mm. you can't do anything you know, can't do anything to change things. So, of course, it was you know a very interesting election night because after after mu- you know a month or so in which the media had been relentlessly battering away yeah. at the whole you know what's going to happen with it with a, um, a Labour SNP coalition. Mm. Remember that we yeah, weren't yeah. debating the issues, we weren't discussing you know kind of things like we've been talking about tuition fees, but also in education the way in which our schools have become exam factories in which mm-hmm. pupils are shoved through exam after exam. All of those kind of issues weren't being discussed. So, you know, on, at 10 o'clock on that election night, um, you know, the polls closed, they published the exit polls, mm. and, and, you know, lots of people were suffering from extreme shock at that point, but I was suffering from extreme shock and then had to go on telly five minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at that point, all you can say is, of course, well, these are only exit polls. Perhaps we can wait a few hours and see what the actual result is. Yeah. And so, actually, when you get those exit polls, for it, are you sort of confident that you might have a chance, or are you... I, 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 well, I'm trying to find a delicate way to phrase the question, well, I suppose. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, the reality for us as the Green Party is, you know, it was a, an astounding, amazing election. Yeah. We got 1.1 million votes. Mm. That's more votes than we've got in every previous general election added together. Wow, yeah. Um, you know, we, our membership had more than trebled over the course of the election. You know, it had been an amazing election. But we knew that the odds were we would only end up with our disastrous first-past-the-post electoral system with yeah. one seat. Mm. You know, the result was no... In terms of the Green Party result, was no surprise to us <laughs> because the reality was, you look at Bristol West, you know, we got agonisingly close. We mm. had a huge swing of about 23% to us. Mm. You know, that's a massive... Yeah. The sort of swing that usually doesn't happen, but it wasn't quite enough to win us that second seat. Yeah. So, you know, we're fighting the system, and, of course, what we're doing now is fighting to change the system. I do a lot of work on campaigning for electoral reform, mm. You know, if we could actually have a fair electoral system where people voted for what they wanted and got it, then, you know, that's what we really need. We have a really, really out-of-date, failed electoral system. The current government only has the support of 24% of eligible that's voters. It, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we need that change. So, um, no, I wasn't in that way surprised on election night. <laughs> Is the solution to the electoral system or the first-past-the-post system we've got now are you in favour of um, proportional representation or opposed to it? Uh, very much in favour of proportional representation. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of system that most of the rest of Europe has got. If you look at it, it's also the system that we are about to have elections in Wales, in Scotland, in London. Whenever we've introduced new electoral systems in the past 20 years or so, of course they've been proportional representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's the way in which you know, every voter know that, knows that their vote counts. Um, Many systems have like a threshold of 5%. So if you vote for any party that gets more than 5%, you know your vote counts. Okay. Contrast that to the situation now where so many people know they live in safe seats. Mm-hmm. Um, they could you know, vote for all their life and never make the slightest bit of difference. Or they could vote for a party that's never going to win a seat locally yeah. and their vote doesn't count. And that is one of the things that really you know, is really making people feel like there's no point in engaging with the political process I mean, out today on, on, on the streets of Derby, I was talking about, you know, are you enrolled to vote? You know, the government has changed the way in which you enrol to make sure that you can register to vote. Um, and lots of people don't. And lots of some people say, you know, well, won't make any difference. Why should I? OK. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you would bring in a proportional representation election system, then your vote counts. Everyone, 
everyone can be sure that their vote counts. And, okay. you know, I will also say that, you know, pointing to the whole issue of um, uh, in electoral enrolment, uh, there's an extra added bonus that lots of people don't know about, which is it actually improves your credit score. Mm. You're on the electoral roll, yeah. which is something that's worth knowing. Yeah. yeah. So on a slightly more, let's say, light-hearted note, mm. let's say a hypothetical situation. You, Natalie Bennett, leader mm. of the Green Party in England and Wales, have been elected as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Simultaneously, the genuinely revolting Donald Trump has been <laughs> elected as the President of the United States. Can I change this question and have Bernie Sanders instead as the yeah. exciting <laughs> Oh, I'm fully rooting for him. If only, if only. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, sorry, I'll let you go back to yeah. <laughs> So will the fact that you have previously, very publicly, signed a petition to bar that detestable flop-haired troglodyte <laughs> access to the country <laughs> impact international relations? Uh, well, I think the thing is that actually you know, I do not think that Donald Trump will be elected as um, US president. But if he was, he would actually... It would be terrifying. Yeah. Well, well, it would be. But I think you know, to get elected as US president at the moment, he is appealing to the Republican base. Mm. He's appealing to the most extreme elements. Um, you know, what I said very clearly at the time when I signed that petition was what we're talking about is, you know, what he had just said. Some really yeah. horrific statements he's ma- he'd made about Muslims, mm-hmm. you know, some really horrific things. If, and I don't think it will happen, he were to be elected, um, then he would have had to backpedal right. to yeah, get elected. Okay. So then he would be in a different place. So okay. you know, th- that, that petition was for that particular moment in time. Um, you know, yes, if he was US president, I don't think he obviously couldn't bar him from the country, but then he would have to be a different, you know, a different Donald Trump. Mm. You know, the way in which you know, some people play politics is at different times, okay. different years, different seasons, different elections. They seem like entirely different people. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I wish I shared your confidence on Donald Trump, though. I'm. I am slightly terrified of the thought of him being the most powerful man in the world in 12 months, but well, I, I <laughs> there think, we go. I think, I think the thing is, if he is selected as a um, uh, Republican candidate, yeah. um, there will be a lot of uniting behind whoever the other candidate is, is because they're not Donald Trump. True. This Which is hopefully true, yeah. would so, be so, Bernie so, Sanders. So, so you only need 51% of people to go not Trump. Yeah. And yeah. you got there. Mm. Fair enough. Oh, yeah, okay. That's slightly reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> slightly reassuring. Um. I just on a sort of topic of the role of the Green Party, let's say, in the UK political system. I've always thought that for some time the Green Party has served to give a voice, as it were, to the far left of the UK populace. But since Jeremy Corbyn's rise to political prominence, obviously bringing the party further to the left, does that mean that the role of the Green Party has had to change? Uh, not at all. I mean, one of the things that people will always know about us is we come we have values and principles and those are values and principles that say you know we have to live within the environmental limits of our one planet Mm. and ultimately that's actually not politics it's physics okay that's what we have to do that's at the core of everything we're saying and that i think is unique to the green party but we're also saying that to get to that point in a democracy you have to ensure that everybody has access to the resources for a decent quality of life yeah. You, right. you cannot say across our society now, you know, we, we have th- three planet living in Britain now. We, share, we consume each year three times our share of the planet's resources. Mm. We have to go back to one planet living. You cannot say to people who are struggling to put food on the table now, skipping meals, mm. going hungry because mm. they can't eat, sh- switching the heating off and shivering, right, you've got to cut back. Yeah. So you have to be you know, in a position where you say we need to you know, really tackle the massively rising inequality in our society. And people know that that's what the Green Party is solidly doing, is always going to say where we come from. 
But I would challenge slightly the, the far left part of your question because okay. you know one of the things we were doing in the uh, general election was saying we have to bring the railways back into public hands. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I had lots of journalists saying to me, oh, that's a bit radical and extreme left-wing, isn't it? A majority of Tory voters believe in renationalising the railways. Mm. By definition, that is not a radical policy if a majority <laughs> of Tory voters believe in doing it. So what we've got is actually really common-sense policies, policies that reflect the need to change You know what we're doing now neoliberalism, neo-Thatcherism, call it what you like, mm. clearly isn't working, has failed. Yet we need something different. And we're presenting the unique green political philosophy that ties together the environmental justice and the social justice and says these are two indivisible parts of a whole. And, you know, Jeremy Corbyn, you know, much as we'd agree on many things like Trident nuclear weapons, mm. Mm. Um, you know, there is a fundamental difference, which is he still believes in economic growth. Mm. You know, we can his approach suggests we can keep making the pie bigger and so therefore the people who've got the least will still get a slightly bigger slice of the pie. Right. We think, you know, we believe we know that we can't have infinite growth on a finite planet, yeah. that we actually have to be operating within those planetary limits. And that means profound fundamental change, not just, you know, getting the pie bigger and being a bit kinder about its distribution, but changing the way things work. So, for example... Changing what, the pie. Uh, well, but you're changing the recipe. I think, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think this pie metaphor is possibly going down as far as as far as it's going to go. Well, but, but, yeah, yeah but, but in terms of things like, um, uh, yeah, we believe in universal basic income, citizens' income. The idea right. that if you're accepted as a member of this society, you get a, a payment every week that meets your basic needs it means nobody gets left with nothing. You know, the moment benefit sanctions mean lots of people suddenly get left with no money at all, often through no fault of their own whatsoever. Mm. Zero hours contracts, people again are left with no money at all. And you know, that policy has been Green Party policy for decades. And it's now really taking off globally. I mean, we're seeing Finland looking at Utrecht, so the Dutch city is about to start it. Right. So it's very much a coming issue. And that's something the Green Party has been championing for decades. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, we have both unique policies and a unique approach that is the Green political philosophy. And, you know, I, I think... We've trapped by a century in which basically Labour and Tory have been the two largest parties. Mm. But just because that's what the past looked like, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what the future looks like. And if you think about, you know, with the EU referendum coming up, the Tory party you know, is very severely split on the mm. EU referendum. Of course, yeah. So uh, this, this, I suppose this ties in quite neatly to a question one, a, a question one of our listeners has sent in, um, Simon Haywood. Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> Happy <laughs> birthday, yeah. Simon. Yeah. Um, um, he, he asked, um, under what circumstances do you believe that a vote for the Green Party is not essentially just letting the Conservatives in? Well, well I, think, I think, first of all, you know, it's worth saying that um, we've got... I was talking about the council elections coming up here in Derby. Yeah. Um, you, we, we, I was out today campaigning in a ward that's generally what's considered as safe Labour. Mm. Uh, you can vote Green there, elect Derby's first Green councillor. Um, there is no way a Tory will get elected in that ward. Yeah. Mm. I will guarantee that absolutely safely. So you have a straight choice yeah. there. Um, you and one of the things is, you know, of course, during the election and after the election, some people said, oh, you know, you add together the Green vote and the Labour vote in this seat, and you would have got a different result. Yeah. But you can't assume that everyone who voted Green, if there was no Green candidate, would have voted Labour. Yeah. Some of them may well actually have not have gone to the polling station at all. They might have spoilt their ballot paper in a deliberate way to show that that wasn't what they wanted. That's true. They might have indeed even, you know, having looked at the individual candidates standing for each party, 
have said that the Labour candidate wasn't the person of those people that they'd be most likely to choose. Yeah. So you know, it's it's very simplistic and just inaccurate to actually simply add the numbers together and say, oh, well, if the Greens didn't stand, Labour would have won this seat or that seat. You know, it, politics is much more complicated than that. Uh, and the same thing is also, if you think about you know, proportional uh, representation, one of the things that people arguing against that often say, oh, so, oh, but how many seats would UKIP have got? Um, but you wouldn't have actually got the same results. I mean, I do point to our 1.1 million votes and say in a fair election, Caroline Lucas would have 24 fellow Green MPs in Parliament with her. But... Also, lots of people who didn't vote this time might have come out to vote in a PR election. Yeah. Um, people might have voted differently if they weren't filled, didn't feel they had to vote tactically because of first past the post. Okay. So moving along now to a quick fire questions round. Okay. <laughs> um, this will sort of address the uh, work life balance you mentioned before. Oh, actually, I can add some tense music to make this one very <laughs> fitting. Here we go. It's like a game show now. Um, what is your favourite film? Uh, what's my favourite film? Oh, um, I have to say that I don't actually watch very many films. Um, I can't really think of any, to be honest. Do you know <laughs> what the last oh, film you saw at the cinema was? Or? Uh, yeah, it was the... Um, uh, it, was, it was a beautiful girl, the one about the, the first trans man who had the... Oh, yeah, the oh, Danish yeah. girl. The Danish girl, yeah. Yeah. Danish girl, yeah. Danish girl yeah. with Addie yeah. Redmayne. Yeah. 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 Okay. What is your favourite album? Oh, well, this is where I actually go back to... My favourite band is... I'm proving exactly how old I am here. Going back to uh, Australia, and um, uh, there's a band called Red Gum, who's a sort of protest mm-hmm. band. And, okay. And, 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 they're in, and this is a real challenge to see how good your record library is if you want to play this later. <laughs> uh, their, their sort of most famous song is called I Was Only 19, and it's an anti-Vietnam War protest song. Right, okay. okay. Favourite, favourite book, then? Have you got, have you got, do you read much fiction? or? Um, I, to be honest, I read a, gr- a great deal of, of non-fiction. Non-fiction. Uh, not, 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 non-fiction is my... So, and I read really, really obscure non-fiction. Mm. Um, so I'm actually going to cite a book that is actually about ooh, 600 pages... Wait, wait. Well, I'm going to note this one now. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, I'd recommend it from the library because it costs goodness knows what. But <laughs> I got I got it from a library. But it's called Latin Women Poets. Latin Women uh, Poets. And this, this ties into my first politics, which is feminism. Hmm. And it actually was done a huge amount of work after the um, the wall came down, uh, going into Eastern Europe and discovering all of these women who'd written, you know, were educated women right through the Middle Ages, through the period who were writing poetry and really uncovers women's lives from really unexpected parts of the world. Hmm. Um, women Latin poets. There you go. That, no one else will recommend <laughs> that, I can guarantee that's, it. That's a good... I, I, I prefer a, yeah. an obscure answer to something slightly more mainstream. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah light reading there. Uh, do you have a favourite brand of sweet corn? Favourite brand of... Uh, does sweet corn come in brands? Oh, Sorry, I may be... <laughs> <the time. laughs> I think, I think we, we were sort of hoping you'd say... shout Green Giant. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, this is, this is where I'm, you know... Proving my greenness by saying I was thinking of I'm a member of the People's Supermarket, which is a cooperative in London. Okay. And I was thinking of, the, of when we have green, you know, a, a sweet corn in season, and the green cobs are there. I'm thinking there's no brand names on there. <laughs> <laughs> and as a kid, like, do you have a favourite TV program on that similar line? Oh well, no, I wouldn't say favourite, but you know, okay. I will. I will confess that because my father controlled the. Um, uh, the, the well, I don't think we actually had a remote in those days, but mm-hmm. the, the father, my father, controlled the TV viewing. So um, uh, anyone who knows about probably 1970s television programs, I will confess that I used to, as a child, watch the Dukes of Hazard. Okay, ah, okay. there we go. <laughs> okay, important question now. Yep. Um, David Cameron, Jeremy Corbyn, Nigel Farage, 
Snog, marry, avoid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a general rule of avoid. Avoid. Um, you know, I, I just avoid those questions. So you'd avoid all three. <laughs> no, I'll avoid the question. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> fair enough. Okay, yeah. You would. You would marry all three. You would marry the question or. Uh, snog I, th- the question. I think that would probably be illegal um, to marry all three. Oh, well, well, yeah. Actually, it <laughs> would enough. be illegal under yeah. um, <laughs> uh, several laws. Um, well, I, I know you've got a talk coming up in, in about ten minutes now, and I realise you don't have much time. And you need to get mic'd up and get ready. So. Just, um, we want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been, it's been a pleasure. It's been great talking to you. And as a token of our appreciation, because you know when people come on shows and that sort of stuff, they, they give someone something to go home and remember us by. We would love to present you with this signed copy of the early 2000s Action Man animated series on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, you know. I sometimes get flowers and things. That's definitely entirely original. Is, is that original? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that, that's, that's over, what we're going for. There's over three hours of extreme action on there. <laughs> um, well, that, that kind of ties with the Dukes of Hazard, really. Yeah. Are, you, are you already a fan of the early 2000 animated action man film or series? I confess that I don't think I've seen any of them. It's new to you. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. you've got a whirlwind of an experience coming up for you. I assure you. Um, so I think there's only yeah, a couple of things that remain to be said. But just again, thank you for spending the time with us. Thank you for taking that. And one final question. Just how much cocaine does George Osborne do in a week? <laughs> um, I have absolutely no idea. Okay. I, 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 if people ask me, you know, when David Cameron said I should be on the TV debates, you know, yeah. uh, you know, had we sat down and talked about it, and the answer was no, we hadn't met at that point. And I okay. indeed have never met George Osborne. You lucky, lucky yeah, very yeah. lucky person. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, yeah, thank well, you once thank more. Thank you very thank much. You very thank much. you. Cheers. to best radio show not about squids every thursday on phantom radio catch up at verbaldischarge.co.uk and we are back in the studio i think (laughs) (laughs) i I believe we've literally just this second had natalie and one of her aides um come to the studio because they can't find the way out (laughs) (laughs) Um, so just to clarify that happened that was was a thing that happened Natalie Bennett. That was Natalie Bennett. <laughs> that was yeah. Natalie Bennett. She was we there. We just sat there talking to Natalie Bennett. Um, obviously, Caroline Lucas was not available. <laughs> <laughs> hey. you, know, oh. you know, some people thought the Greens were a legitimate political party. Yeah. And then now, now they're paying on verbal discharge. Oh, no. <laughs> tell you what, like next general election, 2020 rolls around. She's in. She's in there. <laughs> that's it. Done. Yep. Yeah, that's tell you what, fair, decided. Fair play. She looked, she looked veritably happy through yeah. the entire thing. Even yeah. when we asked her how much cocaine George Osborne yeah. did. She, she parried every comedy question we had, but she parried it with a smile. So yeah, I appreciate she parried that. it with a smile. Like, like, she, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously she was here to do the serious stuff. Yeah. And, and that is the majority of the interview that we just produced. But by God, yeah. we just asked Natalie Bennett how much cocaine George Osborne did. We asked her like what her favourite brand of sweet corn is. I was hoping that she would... Um, I don't even know. I don't even we know. We gave her I'm a signed copy of Action Man. <laughs> <laughs> worth it. Absolutely worth it. Um, we're going we're gonna to cut now to our, uh, our tech head, Dan. Um, Dan, is there anything you would like to say about the interview that just took place in front of your eyes? That was impressive. I've never seen student media do something like this. Like, <laughs> oh, you've got to be proud. Um, <laughs> um, I did just ask the head of political party about George cocaine. Osborne does cocaine. I mean, so yes, I am yeah. very proud. And yeah. she didn't. She didn't really parry that question. She kind of just went. Well, I, I don't, don't really know, yeah. know him. Like, if I knew, I would tell you, but <laughs> I don't. She said that she'd never met him, yeah. but I can only assume that means she's seen him at uh, the sort of commons parties. But never <laughs> talked to him. Racking up a nice little line for himself. Do you think they let 
the Greens into Commons parties. No. I mean, no. She, she hasn't actually got a seat. But never mind, there we go. They've got one seat. I mean, Caroline Lucas. They've got Caroline. one seat. She, she Carolina. Has Caroline Lucas. I still feel slightly overwhelmed by what just happened. That seat, that seat right there. Dan, the person before uh, you who sat in that seat was the head of the Green Party, Lisa <laughs> Lee Bennett. What's it like to share butt warmth with them? Is it warm? Feather? Is it warm? Uh, yes. And also, she has a really straight back on her set. Doesn't her she? Her yeah, posture she, is incredible. I was I going did you not I notice? Could, I was straight I on with her. I, I felt like a like, sack of potatoes. Okay. She's got sensational posture, it really must be I, said. Also, like we spend, I know probably anyone listening live, heard a lot of probably Jordan filling. <laughs> Me and James just sat by reception waiting for Natalie Bent to turn up. There was a, James, sort of a car uh, crash or something. Jordan and I only did one filler link. Yeah, we only mm. needed to do one filler link. Okay, okay. But there was about 25 minutes which we were sat waiting. Well, yeah. She then, yeah, she got in. Um, and I was sort of making small talk with her. She started telling me about her. She told me an anecdote about how she used to be on student radio, which she mentioned at the start of the interview, mm. and then told me that um, she once interviewed an expert in 16th century classical music and said, because she knew nothing about it and she didn't have time to do research, she asked the first question. So not many people know about... Ni- I'm not going to do that impression. I just did it, but never mind. Not many, not many pe- people know I'm about it. Not many people mate. Should pull uh, a Barbie. Is, we, we, we should she... not be insult- insulting <laughs> it. Like I think as much as say like as much as we're joking now, I was genuinely really pleasantly surprised at yeah. like, how yeah. lovely she In was. Fact, she's she's she was, genuinely a very she warm. She was very figure. warm. Yeah. She 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 answered all the questions with a smile, and yeah. she had some good answers. There was yeah. no grimacing. No, no. There not was no, one. I don't want to answer that. Not one. Not just just open, happy. Very good posture. Yeah. Incredibly good, good posture. posture. But very friendly. She's a, she's a bit smaller than I was expecting. I, no, I, 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 she, she didn't look that tall in the TV debates last year. No, no, no. I wondered, because that chair was quite low down. I, I, I thought, should I adjust it? And I thought, no, she's a political figure. She's going to be like seven foot. <laughs> but no, no. Is that a requirement? Well, I, when you see him on the TV stood up on the podium, they do look like That's giant. That's because there's underneath. When me and Robbie were down at the reception for the uni waiting for it to come in, there were a few other people. There were some people from uh, who were planning the talk yeah. she was going to participate in. There were a few sort of odd people here and there, yeah. sort of from, from uni representatives, Green Party representatives there to greet her. And we were all sat around and there was a definite sort of, everyone was waiting on bated breath. The, yeah. the air was thick with tension. And then I remember one voice, whoever it was, just said, there she is. <laughs> and like you saw all of the eyes turn and just there she was. And it was just, it's, it's, she's the first person I've ever encountered where I've seen so many pictures and videos of them online. Yeah. And then when you see them in real life, it's really odd. You're like, no, look at you. You're real. Yeah. You exist yeah, in yeah. three dimensions. You've got skin. You've got a face. You're so, Natalie Bennett. I, I, I once shook hands with John Hurt. Um, and I remember having like a, a very similar reaction of just feeling like that's the actual You're a real hand. Person. And I st- I'm still not quite over that. Um, I also, the, the great anecdote I got of tonight was not so much I interviewed Natalie Bennett as Natalie Bennett said to me when she came in, one of the first things that she sort of spoke to some people there and then said to me, can we go by the facilities on the way to the studio? And I said, okay. And she said, I, I need a quick wee. And so I, <laughs> <laughs> and so so I, I took, I took Natalie Bennett, leader of the Green Party, showed her to the toilet the whole time, gesturing over my shoulder, trying to say to James, like, I'm taking her to the toilet. Can I'm I, taking her to the I toilet. Had, you didn't explain that to me. There was me and I think his name was Oscar, was it? Or, Martin, Martin. Martin, Martin. Yeah, Martin. Green Party candidate yeah the Green Party yeah. candidate. I should know that. Can I, <laughs> can I just say... He, he this, was very nice as well. This was the text conversation I had with Robbie whilst I was up here <laughs> in the studio filling. Um, so... so at, at, at ten past six, Robbie sends to me, still no Bennett. And I was like, oh, I made a little announcement. And then I said, she needs to get a move on. <laughs> and then Robbie sent back, she's just parked. And then I was like, oh, okay. So I thought, oh, they're coming up. And then seven minutes later, Robbie sends me a text going, she's on the loo. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'd just shown her to the toilet. It was yeah. really odd because like, I, I was so anxious when she was coming up. I think she know. I saw the moment on her face mm. when she walked up to me, and I was the first person because I think it was closest yeah. to the door that yeah. she went up to. So I was the first person she made contact with when she entered the union reception, and she walked up to me, big smile on her face, put her hand out. And I was so nervous, all I could do was grasp it with my clammy, <laughs> sweaty, sweaty hand. And I saw the moment on her face of, Ugh. Oh, good grief. You, you, yeah, you took a moment in which, there was a moment between you speaking, no, sorry, her speaking, mm. saying, hello, I'll, shake, I'll begin by shaking your hand. And you actually go, I'm James. I'm James. Mm. It was, the, yeah, the least Because I wasn't sure what to say. She was, I, I, I was really intimidated. I, I think she I was... Thought to me, she, she was just like, hello, nice to <laughs> meet you. And I was like, ah! <laughs> And then she said, and you are? And I was like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm James, I'm a student, I'm 22 and a half years old. <laughs> I think, um, I, I think... I said the word wonderful to meet you it, about five times in the two minutes she came in and out of the studio. She <laughs> came in and I was like, it's that. wonderful to meet you. I'm Jordan. It's wonderful. It's a yeah. pleasure. <laughs> but I had the experience of, because she was quite warm to, to James and to us in the line, and because James had been first to shake hands with her, I was suddenly like, oh, she's lovely. Yeah. When she actually shook hands with me, I actually said hello. So that, that was really reassuring. I thought, I thought she was actually really nice, yeah. which slightly surprised me. Um, I was almost hoping she'd be worse so that we could... I wouldn't feel bad tearing bad. into it. Yeah, yeah. I think we were pleasantly surprised and almost impressed. Yeah. No, she, she was actually quite lovely. Yeah, really, very, really. very nice. I suddenly, I suddenly almost feel like politicians are human beings. Yeah. It's the first time a technician's been treated with respect. <laughs> By a politician. By anyone. Yeah. So um, we should probably draw things to a close. Yes. I mean, we need to go see her talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything else that we, w- we need to say, we want to say? Well, thank you all for listening. Obviously. Um, oh, my God, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank, you. thank you to Natalie Bennett. Bennett for coming <laughs> on the show. And the Green Party never involved in organising the talk at the University of Derby today. Um, without you, we wouldn't have managed to get Natalie Bennett on verbal discharge. Um, but yeah, thank you, for everyone, everyone, for listening. Um, where, where, if you want, where do we go from here? If you want, I don't know. Words are coming out get, all weird. Uh, where where going? Well, as you mentioned, we've had her on the past, on the show. So time James, for us to go to James. Her. <laughs> <laughs> show. We've, we, we've we've had yeah Natalie Bennett on the show. So as James said, she's basically won the election. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your move, Cameron. Your I mean, move. this is confirmation of checkmate. This, this is confirmation of an electoral candidate. More really. or less. More or less. Um, if you want to find out anything else about us, you can find us on our website, verbaldischarge.co.uk. At our Twitter handle, at verbdisradio. Or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash verbaldischarge. The other thing, I tried to quickly get my camera up and film um, you hand, James handing the, the copy of Action Man animated series from 2000 to Natalie Bennett. So I've got, there's like a four second clip I'll post on our YouTube channel, which you can find on, on YouTube. And we'll share that on all the social media channels as well. Um, and you can find that in all its shaky, rushed yeah. goodness <laughs> up, on, up on the uh, YouTubes and everything. Um, so let's bring things to a close. Yes. Natalie Bennett. Hello. Final word of the, do, do an impression. I can't do an Australian accent and I'm not a woman. <laughs>